again, everyone. Welcome back to the Sons of the Beach. It's your boy Matt Gossip, Alejandro Ramos, Francisco Valladares, and we're here shooting the shooting the shooting the shooting the manure. Yeah, I can't say cuss words because guess what? We're on the radio now. Oh, we're gonna be. Yeah, not yet, but Hopefully. we will be. We so, still have to pitch it. Sons of the Beach is <laughs> trying their best now to not just be on your podcast airwaves, not just be on SoundCloud. We're better than the rappers. We're going to be on radio, which oh, wow. in itself may be an archaic way of getting information across. But hey, this is our thing. <laughs> trying to do big things. What's better than this? Dudes being dudes. <laughs> just guys being dudes. Guys being dudes. Pods being a radio. So yeah, for this episode... We're just going to be talking about some of our favorite foods. There was a recent discussion in the office about how everyone cooks their meat. And from there, we've divulged into a bigger discussion. discussion, A meaty discussion about meat. So we're going to just talk about some food. We like food. We're going to be talking about how we cook meat, just some things. And as well as this new experiment that's going on in a New Orleans restaurant. Uh, where they charge customers based on race as part of a social experiment. And then from there, we'll be talking about the NFL draft, nothing about draft statistics, analytics, but some of the questions that get asked at the NFL draft, specifically about sexuality. So this has been an ongoing problem for a couple of years, so we're just going to discuss this. And then we'll end it out with uh, basketball. We love basketball here. Uh, We love the Lakers. Alex is still sort of a Laker fan after the whole Oakland fiasco. So we're going to talk about that. And we're also going to talk about uh, DeMar DeRozan and Kevin Love kind of setting a new wave for the NBA as far as addressing mental health. So, yeah, stick around. tired don't don't Who are you don't get food poisoning man it sucks what'd Did you it? eat i went to this undisclosed location i won't say where because i don't want to slander them but i got what? a burger they literally gave you food poisoning and you're not going to mention their name that doesn't make any sense all right it's what if they want to sponsor us later because <laughs> mcdonald's they're a local place they're, it's not a chain okay it's, it's a, a local place, place. i finally right. listened to the bill simmons podcast i haven't listened to them in a while wait I want to know about the food poisoning, though. Okay, so I go to this place, me and Chris. I take him out to dinner. I was like, I haven't, we haven't hung out in a while. I'll treat you. So we go. We get burgers, and we get a medium. Though. They come out, and I want to say they're a little more than medium. Wait, like more cooked or less cooked? Less cooked. They're a little less than so medium. So they're raw. But I'm just <laughs> like, yeah, it looks right. <laughs> so I eat it. And ever since then, my stomach has been a little bit on the on the fritz. Wait, you didn't say the restaurant. I'm not going to say the restaurant. You want me to say the restaurant? Say the restaurant. You want me to slander them? No. How are you slandering them? They gave you well, right, not what you right. wanted. All right. So the restaurant is Rockfire Grill. Oh, you shouldn't have said the name. I regret telling you. Oh, no. That. that actually, yeah, that hurt, actually. <laughs> That's a local business. Dude. They could totally sponsor us. Why would you do that? <laughs> <That's stupid. laughs> 
<laughs> no, but I mean, I've been there before. It's been okay, but yeah, I think next time I'm gonna ask for it a little more cooked. I'm always nervous about ordering my food. Yeah, it's, uh, it's medium or medium rare at places because it's like. Uh, That's why. Like, I, if I'm gonna order it medium rare, I gotta pay like thirty dollars, and it's gotta be like hmm. a fairly well-rated restaurant. Yeah. For that huge steak. Gotta be a fat steak. Medium well for life. I mess around with the medium, medium well side. That's the best way to go. It's like not too extreme, but it's not. Medium well? It's good. Yeah, medium well. Mm, I mean, look, we're brown boys. We come from the lower economic end of the spectrum. I mean, for us, if you don't cook your meat well, you're probably going to get salmonella. (laughs) Well, yeah, um, haven't you uh, had rare before, though? I've never tried. All we ever see, you gotta I mean, try it. all I, my family ever gets is like flank steak. Oh, see, otherwise known as carne asada. That guy that came in today, Sandejo, is talking about it. What does he know? What has he, he done? Huh? He's the one who said he eats only flank steak, so that's probably why it's always been like, yeah, I remember that. well done. But you guys need to try like a steak. You know what? Fuck it. Okay. Where I'll, should I go get a steak? No, I'm gonna buy one tonight. Let's just cook it. I'll cook you the way I want you to eat it. Podcast Steak on the go. pod. Yeah. Mobile, mobile pod. Oh, hell yeah. I definitely... No, I mean, isn't it, we don't have to record it. We could just eat it. Why have we never done a food pod? We all like food. Let's do it. We'll, we'll cook you a steak tonight. Like rare. We'll the way check, I like it. We'll check back in next week. Wait, you eat it rare at that? No, medium like, rare. Oh. Get you medium rare. Because right, you know what I do? Secret is you got to bake it. And then you pan sear it. That Salt Bay video that we watched, they showed me. Bake that it. Pretty, that you pretty bake good. it and then you sear it. Yeah, you, you, you put bake it in, then sear. You bake it for a little bit, and then oh. you sear it on high heat so it has a crust. But it's also oh. rare in the middle. See, still. I've heard the other way around, but either way, it, everything it, I've heard is that bake and sear, either bake and sear or sear and bake is the way to go. Mm-hmm. Because once you after you sear it, it's harder to control how much you cook it in oh, the middle. Yeah. Right, so if look. you bake it, you get all that yep. heat around it. You, yep. you create that warmth. All right, look, look, all right. So someone knows what they're talking about so here. Finally, all that I watch, aside, I watch enough. All that aside, network. all you got is a grill and meat. How are you how are you eating it? Flank. What? Carne yeah, asada. Chop you, that up. Uh, I cook it, it well on the done, grill. Or? I cook it on the grill medium rare still too. How about you? I mean, on the grill you can still. I mean, the whole point is you can close the grill. Yeah, unless yeah, you yeah. mean like a flat top grill without a top. No, no, the whole the whole thing, the whole shebang. Like on a like outside with coals yeah, like or a propane. Yeah, just boom. How you eating it? Yeah, you can still close the lid once you sear it. Yeah, you no. can still make medium rare carne asada too. That's why you can make all types of carne asada. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I know, but it probably doesn't fit best with the with the dishes you make it's though. Thin. Yeah, that's too true. Thin. You can't. Yeah, you can't undercook. Oh, if that you make too it much. with fajitas, you you can probably get it get well, away with medium. Not depends medium on rare. the meat. Yeah. No, with the flank steak. Yeah, I understand flank steak needs to be more well done. Or not well done, but medium well. Well, because the thing about it, a lot of carne asada, well, depends on where you go. My that's parents true. get this one that's like marinated. Mm. So once you like, if you make it really crispy, it's actually really good because it's, oh. well, I guess that nice little yeah, crispiness, the brown crust. One, um, what about the red one? Like the straight up red meat. That's also a marinade. That's why. But like how, because that one, I like it less cooked. I don't like it hard. Though, I like it a little bit. I know what you're talking about. I know Sweet. exactly what you're talking about. That one is actually better, less cooked. Like you still got to cook it. Yeah. All the way through, because when they burn that dude, oh, it's, it's awful. It's it gets tough. So it gets really tough. But when you when you get that one and you cook it uh, just right, what about beautiful, ranchera? Beautiful. 
ranchera. Ooh, if you that's good. if you well done your ranchera meat, I literally hate you. Like that's wait, just wait, a horrible. I have no idea. Never had ranchera. It's a little bit thicker carne asada. You haven't had it. Oh, so good. Yeah, I gotta look this up. Maybe I've had it. I've just you have it had like. it for sure. You've had it. You know how everybody calls uh, these foods different names. I no, know what you're talking about. Thicker. Now. It's thicker. I know what you're talking yeah. about. It's like a almost steak. It's a that, skirt steak. It's, there yeah. you go. There you go. It's like somewhere in between. That one's so good. It's so expensive. Dude, I'll, f- I'll I'll buy some right now and go cook it right now. You have a grill? Oh, you do have a grill. Yeah, I just gotta give me good charcoal. <laughs> let's yeah, let's not use bad charcoal and let's not try to light the fire with leaves. No, oh, I remember that last time. That was kind of dumb. <laughs> that was That's, the gas one. Wait, who has uh, no? That was the ga- That was the charcoal one. That was gas charcoal. Though. You need a you need oh. the lighter and the gas to light it. You yeah. can't just light it yeah. with fire. Well, we didn't even have good charcoal either. That was yeah. old charcoal. Let's go buy. Who has charcoal? Someone's gotta have charcoal. Lane, right? We can just go buy charcoal. It's cheap. Or we can just, just buy. Oh, bag. let's do wood fire. Let's just get wood. <laughs> oh, wood chips. You know what? That's dangerous. You know what? That sounds like fun. It sounds That's like a literal good time. danger. How's that dangerous? What? You never know, man. I, no, I know. I know how pole. to use a wood fire, though. Oh, okay, I'm fine. a camper. We we'll smoke our carne asada. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on that apple apple smoke wood. Ham? The apple wood, like <laughs> apple wood apple smoked carne asada. Yeah, Dude, we're onto wood. some shit right now. Let's <laughs> no. okay. Let's perfect it, and then we can sell it back to the hipsters moving into Long Beach. There you go. No. Yo, as soon as you add apple wood smoked. Yeah, price goes like, up that's five dollars. That's a five dollar taco. You guys are you're literally coming up with gentrified carne asada. And look, look, that's look, how you destroy look, communities. But at Alex. least we're not white people <laughs> that's not selling it about. to brown people. <laughs> no, <laughs> we're brown people selling it to white people. No. No. Yeah, did you see that thing they did I in New Orleans today? Carne asada. <laughs> I feel dirty. <laughs> did you see that thing they did in New Orleans today? What they do? There is a food stand. They said they were selling twelve dollar food. Yeah. But then they charge white people eighteen dollars. And they still paid it. Yeah, of course they did. They're not they're because they don't complain. know any better. They're not gonna question it and be like, Yeah, of course it's eighteen dollars. <laughs> they're like, Oh, there must have been an upcharge somewhere. Like, ah yes, I totally deserve to pay these other six dollars. It's okay. Yeah, here we go. A New Orleans restaurant charge customers based on race. That's pretty wild. Who they charge the least? Or was it only white? Everyone else who is not white pays twelve dollars. Ooh, That's oh strange. wow! The food stall called Sartji Sarch, a reference to the nineteenth-century black South African woman infamously paraded as a freak show in Europe, will be open through Sunday through the data collection part of the experiment. So it's an experiment. Mm. Were they experimenting to see if white people would actually pay more? Okay, so according to Civil Leads, the pop-up called Sarch gives white customers the option to pay a suggested price of $30 while black customers are charged $12 and also given the option to collect $18 paid by a white patron as a way to redistribute wealth. Oh. Whoa. Wow, I can't wait to keep up with this. So, I mean, just, just looking at it, I'm looking at it too right now, and it says that it's to address, like you said, racial wealth disparity. Um, it, made me, it reminded me of uh, Roy Choi. Mm-hmm. Local LA boy, famed LA chef. Uh, he has such restaurants like uh, Kogi, Kogi, uh, A Frame, which is popular for its brunch. Kogi, if you guys don't know, is uh, popular for the food trucks that go around. They use Twitter and social media to let you know where they're going to be. And it's uh, Korean Mexican fusion tacos are amazing. Uh, they also got quesadillas, burritos, all that. This is not a sponsor. I just really like Kogi. Oh man, wait, why don't we? Go. Shout out to Roy Choi. We can go find them. They're they're 
for all one? you yeah so for all you long beach listeners they're uh they usually come to long beach on wednesday nights from 10 to 11 no way i didn't even know yeah and then uh what? they they're on like pch and redondo something like that my mouth is literally watery Kogi was two. the that was the first food truck i ever had and that was back like in 2009 yeah oh my goodness 10 years around, now they've been around for a while the food truck craze man crazy so they come by every wednesday and then friday they actually come a little bit closer to uh long beach state they're uh, usually parked out next to the dance building uh from six to nine on friday Yo, so if you guys what are am I, free man, tomorrow speaking tomorrow. of that i gotta take you out of east la for some good oh. tacos they got some good tacos east, east LA. LA. well tell me right now what's your favorite tacos. taco place I don't know the name of it, and that's how you even better. Legit. Yeah, does it have a number? It doesn't even have a number. No, no, nothing. No, like I just <laughs> walked down Indiana, and it was right there, and I was like, "Is it like blah blah blah, like number two, blah nah. blah number two? No, it's, it's it's a place where people like. All right, look. So it's someone's house, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, even but better. They, oh, no, that's great. Hold on. That's great. <laughs> Hold on. Tastes better. It's someone's house, but they rent the front of their house that's really spacious mm-hmm. to some people to, to make tacos there. Yeah, that's yeah, I great. heard about that. That's yeah. great. Yeah, it's dope. It's like really good. And they have like some of the best tacos in East LA, I think. Dope, dope. It's on Indiana off of Whittier. No. Off of Olympic? No, off of Whittier. Off of Whittier, Indiana. Nice. Right nice. by Stevenson Middle School. But yeah. Uh bring it back to uh Roy Choi though. So the reason that reminded me of the the food experiment that they're doing in New Orleans is because he has this other restaurant. Um damn, I'm forgetting the name now. But basically, the point of it is that he wanted to provide uh, low-income communities good food at a fairly decent price. Oh, the restaurant is called Local, L-O-C-O-L. The tagline it has on Google for it is a conscientious fast food spot with simple design for breakfast, burgers, and health-oriented options. Because a lot of times, um, the cheapest things that low-income families can afford is like McDonald's, KFC, uh, Jack in the Box, Taco Bell. Basically, all, that, all those fast food places where the food is really, really bad. So what he wanted to do is he wanted to provide both uh, food that's good, food that's you know affordable, and food that's healthy. So he he managed to accomplish that. I think I wanted to go when I was in Oakland because he has he has one in L.A. He has one in Oakland. I think he has one in San Jose up north in the mm-hmm. Bay Area. But yeah, I mean it's it's good to see like. The conversation of affordable food becoming more of a topic. Yeah. Yo, speaking of Oakland, you know how you told me? Did I tell you this? Um, you told me to go to Brown Sugar, right? So I went, and it was so packed like we weren't gonna get in. <laughs> so we walked, and we were like, "Damn, like we gotta find somewhere else to go." And there was this dude named Justice outside, uh-huh. like just a random ass dude, like chilling. And he's like, "Wait, what happened? Like, how come you guys didn't stay?" I'm like, "Oh, we can't wait. Like, we have to dip." And he was like, "All right." Go to this place on uh, six, 60th, mm-hmm. and uh, I forgot the other street. And uh, he literally told us, like, it's just go there, tell him I sent you. And I'm like, all right. So we go over there, and they give us a free pie. Because For real? Sense of, yeah, I mean, it what was place tri- was it? It was La- Lois's Pie Queen. Lois Ooh. Pie Queen. They give us a free pie. And then uh, I got chicken and waffles. It was amazing. It was probably the best chicken and waffles I've ever had in my whole life. I don't even like fried chicken, so Oof. shout out to them, man. Oakland forever. Shout Oakland out to forever. Justice. Oakland forever, for reals. I love you, Justice. Thank you. Yeah, man. Brown Sugar Kitchen in Oakland gets packed. Yeah, it, gets it was really ridiculous. Packed. Packed. When'd you go? I went on a Sunday morning. 
Brunch. Yeah. Brunch. It was over. People waking up to go in. The the wait was an hour thirty minutes. I was like, nah. And then Justice Mm-mm. outside came in clutch, and we got our food. Bam. Shout out to Justice, man. Shout out to Oakland. I knew it was legit because they only took cash. <laughs> but yeah, how do you guys feel about this experiment? Good, bad? Well, I mean, they're talking about it right now. There's a Twitter user here. I don't want to. I wanted to bring up my own points, but this guy brings up a really good point. David Kaufman at DS Kaufman. He says, uh, if the chef who is Tundi Wei is willing to make that kind of statement about food prices uh, between racial demographics um, and seeing just how wealth disparity is between those, then any homeless person or poor person visiting his pop-up should benefit, not just minorities. It just propagates the myth that people of color are the only ones affected by income disparity and homelessness. So that's a good point, too. That's true. There's probably a lot of um, poor whites, too, that live out there. Mm -hmm. And uh, just some other things, too, that I want to keep looking into because they said that so far, 76% of the black diners refused to take the $18 that they were offered. Black people have even tried to pay the whole $30 so far. So that's pretty interesting. That's kind of a weird dynamic, huh? Well, yeah, I mean... I think it's just awareness. I think that's what this is trying to bring to light. I don't think they... But it is a social experiment. So yeah, it is. It is a social experiment. So that's I think very that's interesting. that's what he was trying to get at. I get what uh, David Kaufman is trying to get at too. But again, this is an experiment. This isn't something permanent that they're gonna do. Yeah, we'll see what's up. It's just to see if the low. I'm assuming it's to see if low-income uh, black families would take the money, because mm-hmm. there's that myth that like low-income black families will take like handouts. That's what we hear a lot of, like, uh, political officials try to say, like, oh, black people just want to take handouts. They want free stuff. They want free money, free services, all this and that. But in reality, you know, they're hardworking. Yeah. They want to be able to provide for themselves. They just want the jobs to be able to do it. So, hmm. Fair enough. Yeah, I think um, I want to kind of see an update from this from, like, next week. Maybe we just give a little quick check-in. This is wild. I need, it's probably, like, one of the best Twitter moments that I've seen. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people are getting too upset by it either. Just let's be honest. A lot of the people that are being charged more can afford it. So I don't think they're losing sleep over it. Yeah. And I think they're being very forthcoming with the pricing. Like, um, yeah, they're actually they telling tra- them what it, what, why they're charging them. For if they had kept it a secret, it would have been... <laughs> that would have been the scandal. But uh, yeah, the fact that they're being transparent about it, that they're being open about it, is pretty Yeah. Good. Not like um, combo order number seventeen. Oh, you know you don't watch Atlanta. Dang it! Sorry, Atlanta. we were, we were supposed to have an Atlanta recap too, but again, I'm the only one who watched Atlanta we'll, season two episode one. We'll come back strong with the Atlanta recap next week. <laughs> you have to watch two episodes in a week. I literally have to watch a season in two episodes. I think you week. can. You don't is want that, is that bingeable? You know what? Tonight, once we get our uh, skirt steaks. Oh yeah, I'm gonna buy the steak. steak. We'll go ahead and. Watch I could. I have it on my uh, Hulu and FX Now account. All right, I'm done to watch it. Just know mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm, there's a very not likely chance that I will watch it when I go home. Is Only Rosa? Are you hanging out with Rosa today? No, no it's because I'm in the middle of watching Food Wars. Oh, more anime, bro. It's really good. And it's I, a great anime. It really is. Hey, those scenes <laughs> when they're they're over like overflowing with umami, and then they like go to like heaven, and they're like half naked yeah. it's hilarious those are super funny and then <laughs> i don't know every, like he has a catchphrase every time he makes a good dish he's like glad you what he said glad you enjoyed it 
I'm just like, he said it again. I hate it, but it's funny. Sounds like my dad. I always tell my dad, like, hey, this tastes, this tastes really good, dad. And then he's like, would I ever serve you anything that tastes bad? That's like, right. That's such yeah. a dad thing to say, dude. Do you guys think you'll have catchphrases when your dad's? Yeah. I'm going to be like, what up? <laughs> That's going to be my catchphrase. What up? You're going to walk out with your chanclas? What up? I'm going to like do like a, <laughs> what a, you know, Jimmy Neutron's dad. What? What's poppin', Jimbo? <laughs> you gonna name your I'm gonna have my Jimbo? own. I'm gonna have not my Jimbo, but I'll call him What's poppin', blah blah. You know, but I want like a dorky name. Hey, Jimbo. Uh, what a great name, though. Shouts out to Hugh. Hugh Neutron, bray. What a name. Huh? <laughs> what are the odds? Hugh that Neutron. His, what are the odds that his last name would be Neutron and then his kid would be really smart? What are the odds? That's that's incredible, bro. right? <laughs> I'm just saying, man. <laughs> this is conspiracy <laughs> stuff right here. <laughs> Maybe Hugh's actually really smart. Oh, oh! oh I was always though. thinking that he's a government agent, and he's just this whole thing's an act. I need a Jimmy Neutron spinoff series now of just Hugh, like the government catches him and makes him dumb, but he was a genius back in the day. What? Damn, shook. <laughs> shook. All right, we're gonna go on a break. Yeah, we're gonna take a quick break, real quick. Uh, when we get back, we'll be talking about the NFL Combine. Darius Geis, who is one of the top running back prospects, was asked some questions about his sexuality. And this is an ongoing problem at the NFL Combine. But asking these prospects pretty tone-deaf, not very important questions that have nothing to do with their performance or how they're going to perform on the field. So we're going to discuss that after this little message. back so we're going to be talking right now about Darius Geis who is a former LSU running back who just entered the NFL draft and performed at the NFL scouting combine in Indianapolis last week and then during the combine it's not just all physical tests they do have a lot of the teams come in and conduct interviews and one team in particular asked Darius Geis about his sexual orientation and asked if he was homosexual Um, this is actually prohibited under the league's excellence in workplace workplace conduct conduct policy and it actually might be potentially illegal based on state law so this is just the latest in a string of other things that have happened at the combine when it comes to the interviews um, it started like around t- the 2013 combine after the running back Le'Veon Bell and tight end Nick Casa revealed their ass if they like girls during one of their 15 minute interview sessions and then in 2016, Falcons assistant coach Marquand Manuel asked Ohio State, or then Ohio State quarterback Eli Apple, if he liked girls. So the Falcons quickly apologized, and they sent the staff their training seminar. But this stuff just keeps going on and on. In 2010, too, the Dolphins apologized after they asked wide receiver Des Bryant, who's now a star for the Cowboys if his mother was a prostitute. They asked Des Bryant if his mom was a prostitute. And it just has no place. It's It has no place in a workplace. This is essentially a job interview. And just imagine going into a job interview and then the person interviewing you just asked these radical questions. 
So I just want to know what is the point they're trying to make by asking these questions? I don't know. Is there a, is there a point? I don't think there is a point. I think it's just they're, they're so caught up in their ways that they're just like, oh, there's no way I can accept a gay player. You know what I mean? Like, so that's why it's so, inappro- I don't know, man. I don't understand what goes through their heads because, like, they know already from past, like, other teams doing this that they shouldn't. Yet, here they go and also trying to keep it on the low, you know. And they're not going to say what team did it, so we're probably never going to know who it was. But um, honestly, I hope he, like, the player comes out and, like, kind of lets the world know, like, it was this team and all this because yeah. they deserve the backlash. I don't know if it's they're trying to just throw them off balance or something by asking them a, a question that might startle them or surprise them. But I don't know what someone's sexual orientation really has to do with their playing ability. And a lot of players have gone on record about that. They don't really care what the sexual orientation of their teammates are. Like the same thing happened with Michael Sam in 2015. He was, fortunately, he was drafted. He was openly gay, and he performed at the combine. He did pretty well. He was openly gay, and then he it was on ESPN when he was drafted. He actually kissed his boyfriend, and then people were upset. So I don't know. I don't know really how you handled the situation of why you would want to. First, you get upset when someone actually shows their sexual orientation, but then you not then you say you don't care. So I don't understand that whole this little duality that NFL and like the fans and just kind of why they're doing this at this point. Why doing what? Why they're even critic? Why is oh. what's the point of even talking about sexuality? Yeah, I mean there is no point. Like it shouldn't even come into the conversation only because they it doesn't matter if they're gay or not when they're playing football and especially if they're like good well not even especially it doesn't matter anytime but it's just ridiculous that, that teams are still getting away with it i think that's like the main part about this like it shouldn't be something that teams should be getting away with especially after all this time man like we're, we're moving forward society's moving forward so we can't let little things like this hold society back as a whole because that's what it's doing yeah because then what happens when someone says yes? Are they just not going to hire them? Exactly. It's just, it's it's a literal form of discrimination. Yeah, and that has no place in a workplace. Now that there's federal law now against discrimination against um, people of different ethnic background, people of different sexual orientation, what makes the NFL think it can operate on a higher plane than all those things? Mm-hmm. I think honestly, I think it's important to know what team it is, though, or like at least like kind of so you're able to reprimand. The, the GM or the, the coach, whoever it was that asked that question. I think it's crazy that that hasn't broken out yet. I mean, whenever an NBA team does something, we know immediately who it was. I mean, when it was the Dallas Mavericks uh, workplace environment, when that news broke, we knew exactly what team it was. It wasn't, oh, NBA team has an environment of sexual harassment and bigotry. It was, no, the Dallas Mavericks, straight up the Dallas Mavericks, capital D, capital M, Mark Cuban's team has a bad workplace environment. Mm-hmm. So the fact that the fact that the news of which NFL team asked this mm-hmm. hasn't come out, I just it's the I just think it's the NFL protecting their overall best interests. They're protecting their yeah. their um their brand, they're protecting obviously the 
team. Yeah. Which I think, like, I don't know. You really shouldn't be doing that. You should pledge to, if you were if you were really about it, if you were really about being better, then you would say yes. This team did this. Uh, very unfortunate. We are sorry, but we're gonna take these steps to yeah. make sure that it doesn't happen again. It's not saying that you know people are gonna stop watching. If anything, you're gonna get more people to watch because you're more accepting. Mm-hmm. And that's I think a huge problem, not just in the NFL, but in a lot of sports where you know you can't have you know gay players. You can't you know show women in any other way other than like sexual symbols. It's just it's a lot of stuff holding sports back, and this is unfortunately one of them. Yeah, I mean, honestly, when you think about the NFL's image in the past year, it's taking so many L's already that you might as well be transparent and, and you know, make sure that the people know what's going on. It would, it would literally be a lot better than what they're doing now. I think it's definitely, because I'm taking a media effects class, like a media effects class right now. One of the big reasons why a lot of these companies since the nfl is a company this is entertainment this is a business right the only way this place makes money is if the people investing in it see reason to so one of the big reasons why i don't think it's gonna happen in the nfl is because the nfl is like the most lucrative sports league like right now mm-hmm. when it starts to crumble down which inevitably it will there's just way too much controversy surrounding it right now because playing this centrist neutral role doesn't really work because a po- a politics, a politicism. That's a own political stance in itself. Mm-hmm. So right now there needs to be an identity in the NFL, and right, it's just kind of scatterbrained and chaotic. I don't think it's ever going to get addressed unless the NFL starts seeing that this is an issue. Which I guess right now they don't really see it because they're just too blind to the money. But at some point, it's just going to happen. Yeah. All they came out and said, I, I saw right now, all they came out and said was that it was inappropriate, pretty much. They're not going to fi- say anything about fining? Um, I mean, not that I saw, but I mean, that's probably not. They're, they're trying to keep it as hush as possible. Yeah, so. yeah. Because it, it already kind of fell out of the news cycle after one day. And then, you know, usually this stuff, at least for a couple of days. But, yeah, you could tell the NFL is really trying to keep it hush. I don't think it's going to change, though. Because, I mean, going with what you said about politics, like, they're – audience they know who their audience is they know who buys into the nfl the most and it's largely conservative it's a largely conservative base you know not to say anything bad about them for being conservative you know you can believe what you want to believe but that's who they're trying to sell to and unfortunately conservatism a lot of times is tied with um you know bigotry intolerance sexism all these things that sort of limit what they can do in terms of what they can allow. If they allow a gay player, you're going to have all this backlash from the fans. Oh, why is there a gay player? X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. That's when they start to lose money. That's why I think they're protecting it so hard and so much. I mean, yeah, yes, like that point's fair, but I don't think it's just conservative people because I think this is like masculinity and sexuality. I think it runs deep in like either way you look at it. Mm -hmm. Everyone kind of cares about it for some reason mm-hmm. when it, it really it's a non-issue it doesn't affect the player in the way they play it doesn't mm-hmm. affect anything so it's not that big a deal what i'm afraid of though is that in them choosing not to take any action and them choosing to not you know reprimand or make any changes they're sort of entrenching themselves more in this conservative 
in this conservative angle. Okay. I mean, they like man, this they is this more. is the time to make a change. This is the time for them to you know, face facts and realize that they have to make a change in the atmosphere that surrounds the NFL and if they don't, they're just going to end up becoming more of the conservative sport. I wonder how much it's it's going to take for them to really enact like legitimate change, especially in that respect cuz it's happened too many times already. Has to be money. I know this is this is the sad pessimistic it's got to be money. point of it, but it's just snowballed too much. Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw how they bought out, they bought the support of all the players that were protesting. Yeah. How they basically said, hey, we're going to donate all this money. Can you guys stop protesting? Because it makes us look bad. Like money is used so willy nilly to fix and undo any problems. This is the issue now, too, with just how people start to view altruism and trying to help other people it's one of those things like don't bite the hand that feeds you if we give you anything you should be grateful for whatever you have that's just you cannot buy people's you cannot buy reform Mm -mm. unfortunately Mm -mm. that's the truth for no it's not even not even unfortunately that's actually a good thing because if that was the case then the most the richest people would still get away with even more egregious things that they're already getting away with Mm mm-hmm I mean, one of the one of the things that they we talk about in sociology classes when we talk about like social change and revolutions is like the powers that be, the powers that control society, uh, CEOs, business people, all that. They make these concessions. You know, they gave they changed the uh, workday so that they were only eight hours. They changed it so that kids wouldn't work. They changed it so that there was better work safety and. By making these small concessions, they keep people from protesting more. It's like, okay, you know, we hear you. We're going to make this change. You know, these little changes, it's like we we should celebrate them. But at the same time, we got to realize when they're just trying to, like, appease us. Yeah. And they're just trying to uh, get us to stop making such a ruckus. And, I mean, I don't know. I feel like. I mean, that that's. It sounds like what the NFL is doing. Yeah, exactly. Ex- exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm not. I'm not trying to make what yeah. the NF, what's happening in the NFL and in sports seem like a big societal issue, like it yeah. was uh, with the example I gave. But it. I mean. No. Yeah. There, they, there's elements of it for sure. Because mm-hmm. especially when when we were talked about them trying to buy out like the the, the black players who were protesting, because it's just ridiculous. Like we're like, hey, you know, we're gonna give you what was it, like hundred million. It's a hundred million spread out over a number of years, yeah. going to a number of different countries. Basically, by the end of it, it was just chump change for the NFL, mm-hmm. and it was just an easy way for them to tell them to, "Hey, stop doing that." But you know what? You can't stop people from protesting if they really want to. So the NFL, could well, just yeah, the, I I really hope people still continue on under. I really hope the NFLPA still empowers everybody else to actually go out there and still continue to say yeah. what they want to say. We need to have more people speak out against this, the, the, um, the Darius thing going. I on think now. if enough, there I think needs to be more people. There's going to probably be more draftees now that are going to come out and talk about it. Well, what, yeah, but this I mean, happens every year. Yeah, but it, like it already fell out, fell out of the news, which is concerning, mm-hmm. and that's mostly mm-hmm. because no one spoke out on it. Like you can't expect something to keep going if not, mm-hmm. like people who are like really mad are going to talk about it. I have a question, real quick. Was when 
they ask these questions? Do they ask every single player these questions, or is it like targeted? I'm pretty sure they pick and choose based based on like hearsay and rumors. A little bit of both, I think. Shoot, it's a it's it's deeply rooted in that. Like we we know how masculinity works. Like right. that has the right. anti-gay you know way of thinking has to be ingrained into some at least some. So of if these. they if they like get a feeling that a incoming rookie is probably is gay or yeah anything less than a man, then they ask like probably that it's that disgusting. Just, that just makes it way more disgusting because it's like. I don't know, man. It's just ridiculous. If they, I mean, I don't even want to say that it would be okay at all. But if they ask, everybody's like, they're at least trying to hide their <laughs> bigotry by being bigoted against everybody. Uh, but this is just yeah. like when when it's targeted like this, it's just, oh no, man, nah, you guys are scumbags for this one. I think to fully judge it, we're gonna have to see what what the fallout is. We got to see who comes out and says something and what type of change ends I mean, up happening. Yeah. But with the way the NFL has been going, I think we kind of know where this is where yeah. this is headed. So, yeah, that's it for our second segment. Uh, when we come back, we'll be talking about the Lake show, the hottest team in the NBA, the hottest show in town, the Lake show. And we're also going to dabble a little bit about our boy, DeMar DeRozan. And... Kevin Love, who has now also penned a personal essay about his mental health. So stick around for that. And we're back from break. Right now, we're going to be discussing basketball. I did say that we're going to be talking about the Lakers. But before that, we want to follow up with DeMar DeRozan's addressal of his mental health and what has come of that, actually, in the past week. So, as you may or may not have remembered, last week, DeMar DeRozan, during an interview at his locker, you know, post-game interview, pre-game, I think it was a practice interview, he uh, actually came out and talked about having depression and anxiety and actually having to confront the issues that he's had with his own mental health. And it was a refreshing refreshing topic, a refreshing discussion for just a lot of athletes because so many of them are very hesitant to show any kind of weakness or think that mental health is nothing you should be worried about just since because they already are under so much pressure that they should be able to handle it and deal with it. But this was just, it was, it just felt good to actually hear it being addressed by someone who is just as prominent and is as influential as DeMar DeRozan. And even later, um, as early as like what, two days ago or yeah, as early as two days ago, DeMar DeRozan in the crunch time, they're down by one, playing Detroit at Detroit, takes the ball, inbounds it, coast to coast, straight up yams on Anthony Tolliver at the buzzer to put the Raptors ahead of one. And it's just great to see someone who's actually been able to not necessarily overcome mental health issues, but is handling them in a constructive way, in a very open manner, and is not letting 
those issues stop him from doing what he wants to do. And he's still playing really well. It hasn't stopped him from being the player that he's being right now. And again, this is his best career year. And I can't just help but think that him being very honest with himself and being very confident with who he is and addressing these things has actually made him a better player because he's more confident. He's just more himself. Especially with all the support that he got from fans, from his fellow players. Um, it's it's like really encouraging to see mm-hmm. that this is an issue that a lot of people took seriously and handled in a very like serious way. So speaking of which, Kevin Love, as you many, many uh, NBA fans know, is probably one of our, the best players in the NBA in the past decade or so. He actually came out in response to DeMar DeRozan's comments. He republished in the Players' Tribune, an essay about his mental health. And it was titled, Everyone's Going Through Something, which is completely true. And in in this essay, he discusses his own mental health and his struggle with depression. And he had a panic attack actually during an NBA game last month. And he he didn't really know how to handle it. He didn't know what it was like. But he knew he had to address it and confront it head on. And just recently like yeah he just came out with this essay telling everybody else what had happened and kevin love as you may or may not know too is just someone that gets criticized a lot for not paying up to his potential uh ever since he came to the Cavs three or four years ago four years ago he was probably one of the premier players in the league at the time and a lot of people expected him to dominate next to lebron and Kyrie. And he had his fair share of struggles just fitting into that system. And a lot of people, you know, ridiculed him for not performing as well as they thought he would. And he's probably one of the most polarizing players performance-wise. He's a great guy, but his performance is very uneven. So that angers a lot of players. Uh, not His uneven performance um, angers a lot of fans and critics. So him coming out and being very truthful with this is very powerful. Yeah, I think the openness, I mean, yeah. first, well, it's kind of surprising, I think, because uh, this isn't something that happens often. Because, like what you were saying, DeMar DeRozan, you know, he only, he didn't really go really in-depth like Kevin Love did. So the fact that Kevin Love was willing to share kind of such a sensitive and personal story is, uh, it's admirable, I think. Yeah, so he even says in the essay, he's like, I've never been comfortable with sharing about myself he had just turned 29 in september and for 29 years of his life he had been protective about anything and everything in his inner life i i think it puts stuff into perspective because um because i remember like me personally and i feel really bad because I, I was like really uh like i criticized kcp a lot Catavius caldwell pope uh and it, like it sucks because he was going through that jail thing like i know it was his mistake but it had to affect him mentally he had to have been you know he had to been struggling with something because he he wasn't able to see his kids. The only time he saw his kids and his wife was at Staples Center when he was playing, which is like really, really, you know, it has to hit you. So I, I just felt really bad, especially after the DeMar DeRozan, Kevin Love thing. Like, I feel really bad that, that you know, yeah, I criticized him like that because he really didn't deserve it. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. It just is a very watershed moment now for professional sports where masculinity is still very prevalent still getting chipped away more and more in the past couple years and especially for someone like me who's going um 
who's been going through mental health assessment just uh, my whole life, seriously, since high school. So it's just been good to have we have a frame of reference. I mean, I've been pretty good about getting help and being proactive. But seeing Kevin Love, someone who's just such a big, prominent figure that a lot of people look up to, do it. It's just more encouraging. It makes me feel good about my own journey and having to confront some issues that I didn't think I needed to, that it was someone else's problem, and that being open about mental health makes you weak or just this idea, this mythical idea of strength and what's how important that is. Yeah, it's empowering to not have to rely on other people and being closed off and like trying to see that I'm very independent. But it's also very empowering to know that people care about you. And that's something Kevin Love has been pretty adamant about talking about on Twitter. Like a lot of people have sending him letters, just thousands of people just sending him support for coming out with this. And this has all happened in the span of like two days. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's really nice. Have you guys ever had a panic attack? Yeah, it's awful. At driving too, which is crazy that it happened in a game for him. That I couldn't even sit in my car without freaking out. Like I couldn't breathe. I had to roll down all the windows. And I was just on the 405, which is like the worst place mm-hmm. to be. If you're in a car, I don't know how many people drive on the 405 when it's rush hour, but it's like one of the worst freeways it's in awful. California. <laughs> I think it's horrible. Yeah. And I was just stuck there. It's not like I could have just got off on a exit. So I was just sitting in my car for like an hour and a half, just like, you know, trying to calm down. And I can only imagine what he was feeling. Thousands of people watching him. Mm-hmm. Crazy. That's crazy. I had one. I only remember one. It happened when I was at work. I think I was a busboy at the time. And I had like 30 minutes left on my shift. And for some reason, I just couldn't finish it. My heart started racing. I couldn't breathe. I was like, I was carrying this stuff. I was able to physically carry it, but it still felt like super heavy. Like it was going to fall out of my hands. It was one of the worst feelings ever. I actually started smoking after that. Smoking <laughs> cigarettes. You know, like, I mean, if you ever smoke cigarettes, first of all, don't do it. I quit. Uh, thank God. But there's this quick and easy way to take the edge off. Damn. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. Mental health, I feel like, not enough people talk about it mm-hmm. and even just in regular life just regular people yeah and, and that's why it's athletes we, we think of them as like these supreme beings physically mentally and that they don't have these problems and yeah they're in high pressure situations all the time why would they get athletes are crazed out athletes yeah. are people too they're going through something too just because they have millions of dollars just because they have all these luxuries afforded to them doesn't mean that they have any less uh, struggles uh, mm-hmm. in their lives that they're going through. So, in the case of like Demar Derozan, um, just uh, looking more into his life, you know, his mom's uh, sick. You know, growing up in Compton isn't easy. Um, so, he's he's got all that stuff that he's carried with him, and just because he became a very successful basketball player doesn't mean it's any any easier. Yeah. There's um there's just great nuggets in this Kevin Love thing that kind of align with that too. He even says that basketball is my profession, but whose profession really is their life, you know? Mm-hmm. Mental health is just not an athlete thing. What you do for a living doesn't have to define who you are. This is an everyone thing. And he talks about 
just the apprehension with going to the first appointment, but then being surprised from the therapist when basketball wasn't even talked about. He knew, well, the therapist knew that the NBA wasn't the main reason that Kevin Love was there today, and it was refreshing for him. So they talked about non-basketball things, and that's usually things that he probably doesn't get asked about a lot. Like Kevin loves a lot of his life, his basketball, and has been basketball other than his personal life. But think of it this way. NBA players only get a summer break off, technically. They don't get to see their families. Yeah. They don't get to see their friends. It's just you're around the same people. For- Kevin, Yeah, Kevin Love because he's on the Cavs too, which means that they play deep into May, sometimes June, and then you get July, August, September. You get three months. Other nine months, you're pretty much on the road the whole time. And then Kevin Love has... A significant other, kids, family. So just another thing to be mindful of when you, we look at these players. I know social media has made it a little more toxic. Just the saturation of people's hot takes and being able to say whatever crude things they want to. So just be mindful and maybe start to look inside yourself a little bit and see why would you act in this way if you have the same issues maybe there's something that's affecting you too that you could be addressing the same way that kevin love and demar derozan have so yeah and on a much lighter note we do want to still talk about some things about our resident boys the los angeles clakers <laughs> clay clay Thompson? Clay to the lakers and we're gonna keep it short and brief we do want to mention though Brooke Lopez is the best non-rebounding center that's ever played in the NBA against the Orlando Magic <laughs> on Thursday, uh, Wednesday night. 27 points, I believe. Game-winning free throws. First player in the NBA history. Or seven-footer. Seven-footer, even worse. Yep. Because I guess any NBA player, that means could be a guard, right? But a first yeah. seven-foot player to have 27 points, or 25-plus points, zero rebounds. Wild. The best Brooke Lopez stat line we can think of. So shouts out to Brooke. I don't know if we're going to retain you. <laughs> but I want to know, this is just a simple question that can get kind of big. Fran, why do you think the Lakers are hot right now? Right now? For the past two months. Why do you think this is the – because past- it's not even just the schedule. It's a mix and match of yeah. good, good teams and – pretty poor teams but yeah i mean it's been a mix of a lot of things i think obviously chemistry amongst the young the young guys they've all they've all been able to play play with each other for extended periods now so that's one of the reasons and on top of that they're just getting better like just straight up uh brandon ingram averaging about 20 somewhere around 20 points for the last couple months since he's played and then julius Randle as well besides the game last night which was kind of bad for him the last couple games like like Last three, four games, he was averaging about 20 points as well. So he's getting his groove. Lonzo, for some reason, can shoot. <laughs> uh, yeah, what? I mean, he's... Lonzo Ball that. can shoot over 40% Ooh. from Ooh, what? three? Ooh. What? Ooh. Dang. No, he's shooting, I think it was like 46%. Like, it's like some dumb stat, which, I mean, whatever. It's not gonna. He's not going to sustain it, but he'll probably get down to the 40s consistently. I've been really impressed with Lonzo, too. Uh, Isaiah Thomas, I think, has been a reason, too. He's picked it up. Who would have known that? He looks like he's just having fun. Yeah, like just making sure he doesn't get injured because he falls a lot, and it scares me. (laughs) 
Like he falls and I'm like, he just broke his He's hip. like your child because he's so small. He just looks like your kid. <laughs> I like how and you we feel talk, bad. We talk smack like that, but the dude is as tall as us in this room. I don't right play, now. We don't play like we're. No, no, no. If we see him in real life, he's like this big. Yeah. As oh, far as journalists go, we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're like small forward size for journalists. We're, plebs. you know, on no, that scale. No. I'm, no. Are we tall journalists? We're small forward journalists. No, there's a lot of tall journalists out there. Right? That's Are what I'm, no, but I'm just saying. Since I like we're to like think I'm a average point guard. Si- yeah, no, you're not. No. No, we're like the six six of journalists. There's no, people shorter not. than us. There's a ton of short journalists. Like who? Network. Network. <laughs> Network short. Dude, honestly, like a ton of the baseball is he a journalists. journalists. Or is he a talking head? Ho. A lot of baseball journalists are short. Really? Yeah. Because they couldn't make soccer sense. too. Actually, see, oh. told see, you. Basketball journalists. We're are not very short. much like a two and three of journalism. Not in basketball yeah. journalism. A lot of them are tall too. Well, that's different because they're all former players. No, even the ones that aren't. Who? There's just people I know. Windhorse? Windhorse is a f- he's five tall. eight. He probably, he's probably tall. Windy? Google it. Google it. I'm not gonna look. Just because he's Brian chunky, Windhorse huh? No. Oh Windhorse. no! What the heck? <laughs> you said that. Google it. No, we're very hey, you guys, much. You guys think I could take Brian Windhorse in a fight? I mean, why not one on one? Why a fight? Probably Rachel Nichols. Well, that's one v one. Yeah. Honestly, Rachel Nichols would probably ball us up. Doris Berg would ball me up. Oh uh, yeah, they were like college players. They were yeah. really good. Or Doris Burke. I don't know about Rachel Nichols, but she Doris looks like Burke she should do it. Would take you out. Scotty Pippen and Trace McGrady been teaching Rachel Nichols like some moves. Ramona Shelburne would probably dunk on me, yam on me. She'll take you out. She'll take us out. Yeah, um, man. But I also wanted to bring up one other point why I think the Lakers are doing well. It's yeah. because they all follow each other on Instagram and Twitter and Snapchat, and they all roast the heck out of each other. They're so close. And this is the, yes, team chemistry is one of the most undervalued and underappreciated parts of a good team. It really is. Because a lot of people just say, just have the best players. But that's not the case. And we've seen that with the young Lakers early 2000s Lakers Shaq and Kobe couldn't get along and it broke them and one which thing we, makes their run even more incredible that yeah they hated it. each the other the fact that they were they, able to hold it together for crazy. three years for have you guys almost if they four did, almost if four they did Pete. get along have, have imagine guys, if they did you guys seen the interview the one they did like Isaiah Thomas Magic Johnson one uh-uh. it was Kobe and Shaq it was really good they, they talked about that they were like you know we hated each other but we knew that we could rely on each other there you when go. When it came down to winning, Damn. which is See? legit. And that's good. I mean, I don't know if it's healthy, but it's oh, good. He- no way it was healthy. They were going to fight one time, like literally fist fight. Like Shaq yeah. was about to punch this fool in the face. And Kobe was like, you know what? Do it. Damn. Bro, Kobe crazy. would be dead. Yeah, he would take that fool out. He smacked the hell out of that fool. Well, I'm crazy. glad. This is, this is another thing. This is what's tripped up the Cavs a little bit. They didn't really have the chemistry that you would like to see in a contender. And this is what's actually made the Warriors good. The Warriors are a bunch of dorks like look at the warriors anytime they do any kind of photo shoot they're, so wack. they're all equally dorks they all wear awful clothes they all have goofy smiles they all act kind of awkward like steph curry still has the ugliest shoe in the game easily <laughs> oh, clay no. thompson the haunted shoe is actually nice but that dude's got a goofy smile always wears dork clothes you remember most spates when he had the cargo pants and then, oh, like, the cargo no. shirt. Like, what are you doing? Like, Draymond is, like, the only one that is kind of cool. But he also looks like a dork, too. This dude's are weenie looking, but there's something They're nice so good that. at basketball. This is, yeah. like, imagine if the dorky kids were also, like, six foot eight and they can dunk on you, but they rather, like, play video games. You guys And remember, shop at, like, Mervyn's. You guys remember <laughs> the year that um, 
the Cavs won the championship. Mm-hmm. That team was pretty close. Yeah, I remember they were taking photos together after, there you after go. every See? game about all their fits, and they would leave out Kevin Love. Then Kevin Love got in, uh, and then Kevin, so then Kevin Love clamped down on Curry because Curry had that awful man. Curry just wearing like the men's warehouse like guest jeans look bro not even guest jeans like um, some of his shoes are actually kind of nice don't yeah jared okay here's how i know jared wears them i know and jared's got kit game like we still need to realize under armor is like the most inferior shoe brand as far as aesthetics that's why i look at aesthetically performance wise Mm -hmm. who knows they might they might even be that big of a distinction but aesthetically it's ugly that's not that bad looking. Type into Steph Curry ones and twos. Okay, no, you're talking about old shoes. This is the best shoe, and it's also the one where they let him have a say in it. That's what I mean. There you go. See, this well, is, this there is you a go. good shoe. This also, is a good shoe. you know what? That's why they're not winning anymore because no, they're hey, too cool now. Hey, no, look. Stop <laughs> slandering because if it wasn't for Under Armour, Steph Curry's uh, ankles would be done for right now. True. Nike was giving him some. Yep. BS. You Under Armour carried Steph Curry's ankles to the heavens and back. To the promised land. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yo, these are nice. They look nice now, but like I was saying, the only reason they were winning championships back in the day is because they're all looking like dorks. And part of it was because Steph Curry's shoes were awful. Wait, hold up. I'm getting a call. Oh, what's that? Matt's, Matt sucks. <laughs> and his shoe taste is horrible. Oh, thanks a lot, Steph Curry. <laughs> That was Steph on the phone. That was Steph on the phone. All of my friends, I call them by their first name. <laughs> hey, Giannis. Yeah, is that you, Giannis Antetokounmpo? <laughs> I can't even say his last name. You can't? I Ante. Ante. What was that video that we had that one time? Antetokounmpo. Antetokounmpo. Kunpo. Awful. Atenta Kunpo. Atenta Kun. It's like K O U N P O, right? So I want to, before we end out and our, our digression gets brought back a little bit here, what do you think are some realistic expectations for Lakers to finish the season? Obviously, this playoffs season? are out of the, yeah. the picture. But so, I say we f- I mean, just, I, just yeah. finish strong. I mean, not just finish strong. I need numbers. Yeah, let's see some numbers, wins, man. man. You I, want numbers? Yeah. I'm saying like 40 what, wins, games? bro. I'm 40? saying 40 wins. 40? No, whoa. Yeah, what are we at right now? Thir- we're 29? 28? 29? We're 29. Uh, 29, know. what's the schedule look like? It's it's not looking too bad. We're not playing like horrible teams, but we aren't playing like amazing teams. Yeah, we're 29 game. and 35. Yeah, so I think 37 wins is where we're going to max Whoa, out you think we're only going to get eight more? Yeah, I think eight more wins. Um, They're going to be scattered like some win losses like 500 type basketball it's gonna be nice they're, they're gonna compete and uh i'm waiting for brandon Ingram to come back though because the team was really missing him last game the lakers game what off. what i really like about this young lakers team is not only because they're talented not only because they're close they're playing well with what they have yeah. josh hart's been hurt brandon ingram's been hurt lonzo was hurt and everyone's still playing well and this makes me realize that the lakers rebuild is going much quicker than expected yeah this is very timberwolves-esque from last season when everyone was like they could make the playoffs but then they ended up sucking didn't make the playoffs but then they got jimmy butler that's kind of that's what i feel is going to be like the lakers timeline like they're getting all these young players together they're going to you know start playing really good they're going to be a near playoff team obviously because they're going to miss the playoffs but 
Once we get Paul George next year, it's not going to matter. <laughs> we're talking about we're getting Boogie and Anthony Davis. No, they're going to stay together. In Wait a second. New Orleans. Is that is that Victor Oladipo's music? <laughs> okay, we don't need that. We don't need that guy. Oh my god. And yeah, that's it for our episode. We've exhausted our time in the in the booth. Zach's pumping his fist at us. Just uh, want to thank you guys all for listening again. Special shout out to Demar Derozan once again. Special shout out to Kevin Love. Special shout out to Jess, media multimedia producer here. Twenty two West Mag. Special shout out to everyone's phone. We'd be nowhere without them. Special shout out to Jordan Peele. Uh special shout out to. Uh, I want to give a shout out. Go ahead. Can I give a shout yeah, out? Yeah, go ahead. I want to give a special shout out to Justice from Oakland. Yeah. Shout out to Justice go. from Oakland. Hey, Justice, uh, that's from the NBA yep, 2K that's game. What that's I said too. that's fucking he, great. He made the experience so much better. And Heck yeah. Even though he only talked to me for probably a total of 20, 30 seconds. But did, Justice, did Justice look like Michael B. Jordan too? That no. would have been a trip. No, but that he, been he, a was, trip. he was a beautiful boy. That that's Justice. great. Shout out to Brockhampton. Oh, yeah, they were so good in San Francisco. Shout out to Vince Staples. They're going to be good at the Novo. We're going on Monday. Catch us there on Monday if we get this pot out quick enough. Yeah, we will. We will. We got it. <laughs> what do you guys shout out? Anyone shout out? Did we shout out Kevin Love already? Shout yeah. out Kevin Love. Yeah. Shout out DeMar DeRozan. Shout out Mental Health Conversations. <laughs> shout out International Women's Day. Shout out Women. Dank. Shout out the beautiful women that tolerate us enough to be our significant oh, others. Oh. <laughs> for real, though. Shout out to our mothers for putting up with us. Dang. Oh. Shout out everyone. Every, shout out to every influential woman out there, aka every woman out there. Hey, that's right. And shout out to you, the listener, for sticking with us. Sticking with the boys. We so love you. Boys of the beach. Dudes of the beach. <laughs> we love you. <laughs> Just dudes being boys. D.O.B., not date of birth. Dudes of the beach. What's, what's better than this? Dudes being dudes. Bye. <laughs> oh, wait, no. Uh, don't forget to check us out on SoundCloud, Sons of the Beach. Don't forget to check us out on iTunes. You could rate us. Leave a comment. Like, I don't know if you guys want to do that. But, you know, that'd be cool. Tell us your favorite taco spot. Oh yes, actually, yeah, actually, yeah. Anywhere, anywhere. It doesn't matter where, what place. In we'll the world. go to it. We'll go there. We'll go confirmed. Also, um, uh, check us out on Twitter at so beach pod, um, and don't check us out individually. We're boring. We're not. We're not. That we're not good that followers. exciting. No, not yet. I'm kind of embarrassed. I haven't tweeted anything good. In the last, oh like, yeah, yeah. Check us out. Okay. Yeah. Let's end this. Bye. Bye. Go home. Are you still here? Get away. Leave. <laughs> Get out. Go to sleep. <laughs>